Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the Millennial Money Podcast. We look happy on the outside, but on the inside, we're crying <laughs> because the market just got destroyed. And I want to ask you guys a lot of questions because I consider myself the least intelligent of the three of us. Clearly. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I want to make sense of what's going on. But first, I just want to get your guys' visceral reactions what happened. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think we should address why Kevin is not here. That's true. This is a totally impromptu thing that we just thought of last minute. And, uh, you know, Kevin's in California. We're not able to do it with him. But... We also have to address, you didn't know this, Jeremy, or maybe, maybe you did, you don't know this, apparently, and we have the screenshots to prove it, Kevin sold everything. He did? Yeah. Like, options and stocks? Ev as far as everything? I'm aware, everything. Wow. Mm. But, like, right before the market crashed? I or? think today. Today. Was it today? Alex, you're, you're the one who uh, showed me this. Alex showed me the screenshot of this. Did he paper hand? I'm confused. <laughs> Why would he sell out? Well, what does he know that we don't know? Listen, I knew something was wrong because out of the blue <laughs> yesterday, yeah. Kevin called me. Kevin never just randomly just calls me to talk, and he just randomly called me to talk about everything. And um, so I'm I'm kind of not surprised because that was that was action that I was a little. You well, know. tell us about this phone call. Well, the phone call was the phone call. You know, I can't discuss. What the do you mean the phone calls? The phone calls. What the what's in the phone call? <laughs> I can't discuss the intimate details of the phone call. It was a phone call, okay? But what? And, well, he never said that he was selling all the stocks. But I thought it was interesting because we talked about stocks, we talked about valuations, we talked about what's going on in the market, and um, and it, you know, if he did make that move, like I'm not shocked. Right. This is going to be the hardest post ever. It's either going to age incredibly well or terribly. I'm turning into a little. And selling. I'm going to try to time the market and buy back in when our fear catalysts begin to evaporate. Actually, serious. I will explain in detail in today's course member live stream at 12 p.m. with a detailed presentation. Do not blindly follow me as this could be very stupid. I'm breaking down my own rules. The fear catalysts ahead, January 25th. Fear that Jerome Powell heights rakes early. Might be a small rally when he doesn't. I don't think he will. And fear will move to earnings and March catalyst. Uh, then January 25th, we got plus three weeks earnings. Good earnings will be very little rewarded. Bad earnings will be substantially punished, my opinion. Q4 earnings won't matter. Forecast will, mobility down, spending down. Then February 10th, CPI, unlikely to show much decline yet from January in month over month data, unlikely in year over year data. Then we got uh, March 10th may begin to show month over month decline as people stop buying things to save money as the market falls. Then on the third, uh, then on the, sorry, then on March 16th, Jerome Powell's rate hike meeting fears that rates will go up 2x or 50 basis points. Until fear and uncertainty goes away, I think we will keep seeing red. Expect sell-offs into closing. We need to talk about the balance beam. We're, we need to talk about the balance beam we're standing on. Many more details in the live stream coming up shortly. So hopefully we could talk to Kevin. Okay, yeah. so it looks yeah. like he's very, or he expects Jerome to be very hawkish in the next few weeks, right? So that's interesting because 
I feel like the one thing he could be wrong about is if he comes out and says, look, I'm going to wait to raise rates in the market. The market's scared. I mean, there's it's very possible that that could happen, mm-hmm. in which case he could be destroyed and left behind. I mean, that is a very small possibility of that happening, but there's still a chance of it happening. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Now, here's here's my question to you guys. Um, so what changed in the last few weeks that we didn't know about before? Like we knew interest rates were going up. Mm-hmm. We knew the Fed was tapering that mm-hmm. they were going to stop buying mortgage-backed securities, bonds. We knew that was happening. They still haven't. They've decreased the rate, but they're still buying. It's not like they've stopped today. Mm-hmm. And we knew that you know earnings could be potentially down. We knew that inflation was still high. We knew that supply chain problems were still a thing. What changed this week, specifically today, that scared the market off I'll so, so much? I got the answer. What's the catalyst? Netflix. Okay, that's my next question. Okay, so that's what I thought is tech stocks, right? Now, what's interesting to me is, I mean, tech is, what, 27% of the S&P 500, right? Around there, which isn't like, it's not like 80%. Mm-hmm. I believe so, it's more. It's, I thought the top, like, seven companies alone were, like, 30%. I'm not sure how they're taking their weighted averages, but yeah. it's 27% as far as the sector breakdown. Yeah, because sometimes even in tech, sometimes there's even some, like, tech stocks that you would consider this is more tech, but they don't consider it maybe in the tech category. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it gets a little confusing how they do it. But the the weighting is, is heavy, but you go to, you know, I think you're so, right. So, so the follow-up question is, so I love dividend stocks, uh, mm-hmm. like value stocks, right? And what's interesting about value stocks is that when investors value them, we just kind of look at their present cash flow, and we just look at what the company's doing. And we don't really pay a high premium for them because they're kind of boring old guard companies. They're doing the same thing. They're just maintaining their business model, right? Whereas with tech, a company could be making no money, but we expect them in the future to make a lot more money. Mm-hmm. And so the way that tech is valued is uh, on a high premium with a high multiplier. Um, now, Jeremy, maybe you can explain this a little bit more. I'm not an expert on this, but the uh, the discounted cash flow model, right? Mm-hmm. The That's how you value stocks. Now, the DCF <laughs> bubblehead. One of the variables of the DCF is is inflation, right? Mm-hmm. And so what's interesting is that when inflation is high, like it was seven percent last month, then the value of tech stocks is significantly degraded because what how we're valuing tech is based on their future cash flow in relation to the present, and we're discounting it. Mm-hmm. And so if inflation's high then the value of their future cash flow is significantly less. Yeah. So it's almost like the market is leveraging their value presently based on their future. And inflation is high, it's discounting it heavily. So the mar- so tech falls harder than everything else. Yeah. And so, okay, so far that's how I understand it. But why then should a company like Netflix, why is it such a leading market indicator that like, oh my God, Netflix fell. Oh, let's mm. just be scared now. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. It does, yeah. it does to me though. Because the fact that they're saying we're gonna we're, we're having slowing growth, mm. and the fact that for a lot of people Netflix was the barometer for stay at home because everyone was was watching YouTube and Netflix. So if they're saying to themselves, we we might have you know started capping out at how many subscribers we have, and we're gonna have to raise our prices, and it's not looking that good over the next twelve months. I think everyone's going to apply the same metrics to every other tech company when they see a rush for the exit. Everyone at this point is gonna say, all right, time to sell off. Netflix was the first one. We may as well sell off Google. Let's sell off Apple. Let's sell off Twitter. Let's sell off Snapchat. Every other company is going to follow the same direction because of what happened with Netflix. Can we throw the Spider-Man meme up, meme up here? It's like I forget. <laughs> I forget where that's my problem. Oh, you know what? We got we got to do an update every every week. How much is your Spider-Man thing worth now? 
Oh, uh, yeah, I actually, that, interesting. We'll get to that in a second. Right. I'll show you what the NFTs are yeah. worth. Okay. So in terms of uh, Netflix, I think that's just one factor. I mean, for me specifically, the only thing I've, I mean, I've seen a deterioration in a lot of Google trends. And so that's what I've been covering on my channel recently, like last 24, 48 hours. If you look at, if you pull up Google trends of home loan, mm -hmm. we are now the lowest in five years. It literally fell off a cliff the last two months. If you look at auto loan, it's the lowest it's been in five years. It just fell off a cliff the last one to two months. So for me, at least, I'm looking at some of those indicators that, you know, those aren't even going to show up in the economic numbers for at least three months from now in terms of what I'm seeing from Google Trends. And I look at some of that data and I'm like, that's extremely troubling. We talked about the Google ad rates we've been getting on the channels significantly down. Um, and so these are sorts of factors that actually scare me. I never get scared about what the Fed's going to do, what the Fed's not going to do. I get scared by like, oh, people don't have enough money to go buy the new iPhone. Even the newest iPhone, or excuse me, if you look at Google Trends for iPhone, the lowest it's been in five years very recently. It just fell off a cliff. So you're thinking about this, and then you see the Netflix massive miss on guidance, and you start thinking, oh my gosh, could Google miss their projections for 22? Could Google miss their next quarter? Not the one that they're about to report, but their next quarter? Could Apple end up having revenue go down in 22? I think these are real questions. And at least for me, and for me, I always buy stocks. Like, you know, if it's a recession, not a recession, if I'm scared, not scared, I buy stocks. If I feel like it's a great deal for a long term, right? But I can understand if you're more of a swing trader, which is more of Kevin, you know, whether he wants to call himself that, you know, I've mm -hmm. seen, like your activity dictates what you are, right? And he, I got a friend named Brian who's also very similar in that class. And he looks at it and he says, I'm not buying anything until at least March or April. That's his stance. He's like, there's way too much to be scared about right now. I don't want to plow a bunch of money in the market right now. And so he's got money on the sideline and he says, I'm not touching anything. So even with these stocks plummeting down, he's like, I I'm good. I'm, I'm not buying anything. And so you got folks like Kevin who, who potentially sell everything, right? And you got folks like Brian that have money on the sideline are like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even going there. I don't care how much stocks fall right now. I'm not even considering buying till March or April, which gives us into a bigger point, which is people trying to time the market, which is the number one thing you don't do, right? Um, because you can even look like a genius for like a week or two. And, and this happened to a friend of mine. I think I brought this up in a millennial money uh, episode not that long ago, I had a friend who sold all his stocks the first week of March. And for the next two weeks, he looked like a genius because the market fell off a cliff, right? But then the market started to go up and he's like, no, it's probably gonna drop back down. He didn't buy in. He waited longer, longer. Meanwhile, the market keeps going up, up, and then down and then up. And then by the time he bought in, he had missed out on, uh, you know, 50% to 80% gains in the stocks versus where he had sold at. So that's where you get in that really tough situation. It's like, okay, let's say you sell everything. When do you buy back in? I know. That's the so, thing with Kevin. You got to time it right twice. Yes. So yeah. I hear you on the Google Trend stuff. So I, I saw that mortgage loans were at their lowest point ever. Auto loans were at their lowest point. Pretty much anything financially related is pretty much the lowest Google search. Now, to be fair, Google searches are not like an economic indicator, mm -hmm. but I hear you on that point. But what's confusing to me is, that still doesn't explain what specifically changed this week fundamentally, if anything at all, that we didn't know about for the last few months as far as what our expectations were. Like to me, I woke up and nothing changed other than the prices of everything. But yeah. there was no like single catalyst that could have propelled it. I mean, other, other than maybe you could say Netflix, but that still doesn't 
click in my brain of how that could move entire markets. What, what I think, you know, and this is a, maybe a conspiracy theory, but what I think is I think big funds, big hedge fund managers and big money, I think they have access to a lot of data that we don't have access to, right? In terms of not knowing the specific numbers, let's say Google's going to do, but I think they're getting fed information that is somehow legally possible that they can see maybe ad spend coming in and they're like, wait a minute, this isn't happening. Maybe they're seeing that with Amazon, right? Maybe they have access to certain big Amazon accounts and they can see, wow, the orders just aren't coming in. And so I think that's why we've seen a sell-off over the, because basically NASDAQ's down 12% year to date and it's been falling, right? It's just getting worse now, but maybe the big money's looking at this type of stuff and they have access to some of this and they're like, wait, numbers aren't coming in. Elon Musk said three weeks ago, he feels like there's a recession coming in the spring or the summer. Why does Elon Musk all of a sudden say something like that? And he talks with everybody that's probably everybody, right? Sure. And the people are no, in these circles. Elon Musk says a lot of stuff, though. Remember when he said Tesla stock was too high? Yeah. I mean, he right. said, a, <laughs> but look at it now. I mean, not to say that he's wrong, but he yeah. does say a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if he says enough, eventually we're uh -oh. going to be able to point to those okay, things so, that are so true. Okay, so then the next logical, like, explain like I'm five question then. So when we talk about a recession, right, it's kind of one of two ways to go about it. Number one is unemployment, right? Unemployment should be high typically in a recession. Mm -hmm. Right now we have a very tight labor market. That means there's not a lot of unemployment. Unemployment's relatively low. So it doesn't seem like we're gonna go down that yet. Yeah. But here's the thing. I would say if demand starts slowing down, they're gonna start cutting people. Yeah, yeah. that could happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as somebody that's cut a lot of people uh, the past six months, yeah, I, mm -hmm. you know, I experienced that. And uh, you know, that's tough. And, and you either cutting wages or cutting jobs completely. And uh, some of those folks that I've cut are still coming back trying to get it. They haven't found anything yet. So that's a little concerning to me, um, you know, but that that's kind of a, a bigger, bigger subject is in terms of the real estate market, you have two main things that keep it up, right? It could, which what I'm already starting to think about is like, what's the next thing to fall? And I'm starting to think about real estate starting in the spring. And the reason being is two things really dictate the real estate market, interest rates and people having a job, right? And being able to pay that mortgage and interest rates have jumped a percent in the last 30 days. And if all of a sudden we talk about job cuts or less hours that people can work. But they didn't jump because of the Fed. They jumped because of the expectation the Fed would sell off their bonds. So it's, so interest rates, when Jeremy, by the way, is talking about this, in case you're not aware, and I learned this recently, is that when we talk about interest rates, we're talking about the 10-year yield on a treasury bond. That's what it's following. Um, and so when, when investors expect that the Fed is going to start to sell off its balance sheet, part of which is mortgage-backed securities and bonds, the prices of bonds falls. And as the price falls, their yields go up. And so because they're like, oh, Papa Powell is gonna start unloading, prices fall, yields go up. So that's kind of the interesting mechanic, but yeah. Okay, so, so still doesn't make sense to me though. Like what did we learn this week that, that he might raise rates earlier or more than we expected, I guess? There's is nothing that's learned. I think it's just when, when everyone is rushing towards the exit, you're going to follow. You know, you know what's sure. crazy? Like when you see studies that show when a line forms, people just like stand yeah, in the yeah, line. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. It's nuts. You could draw a line, like a crazy yeah. line that doesn't make sense and people will just follow. Yeah, well, you'll just <laughs> yeah. stand in line and you'll just sit there and be like, I don't know what I'm for, but I should be in line right now <laughs> yeah. just in case I want to get my spot. It seems like that's also applicable towards the market where if everyone's selling off you're like well if they're all selling off i'm, I'm gonna beat everyone else i'm gonna sell off now too 
mm-hmm. and it creates this cycle of everyone beginning to sell off and you're like oh well if they're selling off it could get a lot let me let me sell off really quick too yeah uh, but as far as like lockdowns go and 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 the it, the rona itself mm-hmm. it, it's not i mean i mean i haven't really been keeping up with it day to day nothing to do with rona yeah it has nothing very to do little with the, rona. The, yeah. the only thing i will say with the rona is that uh supply chains are still being impacted sure i believe parts of china are still shut down yep so there is still a backlog of a lot of these things whether you like it or not it's just that that is what it is so i guess we'll just chalk it up to just people following others and selling and I uh, so. yeah and i think also i think So I think it's a couple parts. One is the the trends we're seeing. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's a feeling that people are tapped money-wise. We saw the the last uh, numbers I think we have is all the way back from October, unfortunately. They lag so much. But the savings uh, rate has fallen drastically. It like went way up during Rona, and it's falling drastically. If we could see today... I bet you we'd be at a 5% number or lower. But it's always been like that, though. The savings has always been really low. It was only during, like, the COVID that we saw a big spike up. And historically, savings rates do get better during a recession. But I would argue that we're still higher today than we were two to three years ago. Yeah, I, I would say we're probably much lower than we were two, three, if we could see the actual data. Because we can only see up till, like, October, maybe November, but we can't yeah. see January 21st. We can't see... Everybody spent through their their holiday savings and those sorts of things, unfortunately. But if yeah. we could see today, I bet you we're at at best case scenario in line, but maybe even um, below. We'll see so. which one of you is right. I'm pulling it up right now. Well, I have yeah, it right here. You, okay. You, uh, so right now we have a it's seven point. Oh, sorry. Nove- it's November. November. Yeah. Six point nine percent. And now if we go back to 2018 November. Yeah. Uh, it's around the same. That was 7%. So yep. 6.97. It was about the same four years ago. Yep. 2018 was 7.2%. Yeah, it's so usually it's about the about same. seven. So I'd be interested to see if it drops below. Now, December 2016, which was the point where the market began. Did the market be, I think the market began going down then. Mm. Um, uh, that's 6.5%. Yeah. And then it, it hit a low, what looks like to be in, oddly enough, I don't know how this hit a low here. Uh, 2013 at 5%. Can, can you check the capital velocity for me for a sec? Is that uh, Ooh, that's check? been awful. Yeah, so yeah. that that's the really, I think, one of the biggest metrics to check. If, if you guys are wanting to do that yourself, yeah. just go on Fred St. Louis Fed and just look up something called the capital velocity. And when it slows down, that's when there's a chance for a recession. I want to show you this. This was at the peak of the market, the mm. peak, uh, peak of the whole like housing crisis mm. um, in July of 2005. So when everything was kind of at the top, the savings rate was 2.1%. 2%. Imagine earning $100 and and your savings is $2. That's crazy. How? Yeah. I mean, I could see on certain incomes that, you know, low income were almost 100%. You, you can't have the luxury of saving. But sure. the fact that it was 7% down to 2% is pretty now, absurd. I thought it was interesting. You just said the peak of the market. You you said 2005 because I think a lot of people, when they think about the peak, they think oh, it seven. was 07. Oh, yeah. Uh, but you're, you're actually saying it's more 05 was kind of the peak. Yeah, so, yeah, so technically the recession started here in December of 2007. And that's when the start of the recession. Uh, but yeah, 2005, well, I guess it went up through 2005 and early 2006. I'm willing to bet that the savings rates floor has gone up 
forever just because of the advent of technology and people know about saving and investing and they're probably smarter than they were back in 2005 at least that's what i like to think but yeah. i don't think we'll ever see savings rates that low again so mm. I, w I wouldn't use that as a metric for like oh people are leveraging or they have whatever they have no money anymore yeah but i think to your point i do i do agree that maybe people are just top tapped out and they just want to pull their money out and they're like hey this is scary i don't want to invest right now yeah it, we, i mean we haven't seen any bounces to say anything otherwise right look at bitcoin look at ethereum look at small cap stocks look at growth stocks none of them have bounced they've just fallen and fallen and fallen and maybe they'll get it down to a support level level but then they just fall and so there's none of that buying up demand and i think that's also signaling to the market there's just not the money to to push these things up right now and that maybe goes back to the whole maybe people are tapped they can't really buy the dip mm. so yeah. like they might have been able to do in 2020 or in 2021. Yeah, that's interesting. I've been reading a lot of the comments in the video and a lot of people are saying they keep buying the dip, but now they're out of money to buy, to yes. buy the dip even more and it keeps mm -hmm. dipping. Yep, 100%. So I, I definitely see that. Yeah, so what are you gonna do when, you, when you're out of, out of money? And yeah, so, but speaking of Bitcoin, Bitcoin, there was no catalyst either this week other than the crypto.com hack. I don't know if you guys Russia, saw that as well. Russia, a little yeah. bit. Ron, no one cares about Russia with crypto. <laughs> Is it like a $5 billion a year? I don't know. That's Decent that's, that's okay, trading volume. Like, I mean, I'm just, but I'm just saying, I don't think it's just that if Russia comes out and says, we don't want people mining Bitcoin, uh, we don't want people trading Bitcoin, just imagine the impact that might have on other people that they think, well, there's a chance if Russia does this, another place might do this. It's not, no. it's not good. No, Russia's, Russia's not a significant player enough to move Bitcoin as much as it did today. Was it down like 12% today? Yeah. yeah, Ethereum was down even more, if I recall. Yeah, no, Russia no. does not have that kind of moving power. And we've had countries in the past talk about banning it, you know, banning mining and buying. It's it's not yeah. it's not news. It's just Bitcoin's trading on technicals. People are, you know, moving their money from risk assets to risk off assets, and they're just you know, Bitcoin or taking their money out. Yeah, Bitcoin down eight percent, Ethereum eleven percent. Yeah, that's so crazy. Some of these some of these moves today, incredible. Voyager <laughs> Voyager fourteen percent. Yeah, do you oh, see wow. Coinbase today? No. Do you know how low dropped? A hundred and ninety something dollars for wow. Coinbase, What's and that percent? was like three hundred and something. What? Thirteen percent. Thirteen point three percent. Ubo TV down another nine percent. Lemonade down to a new, uh, well, by far fifty-two week low, seven and a half percent. Palantir, which is a very popular stock in the market, down seven and a half percent. Squares down to one hundred eighteen now. Robinhood down five only. That's not that bad. Uh, yeah, that's for yeah, them. That's, that's pretty good. good. Wow, that's really Robinhood's good. only down five. There we go. Yeah. Square is now down over 60% from its 52-week high. SoFi down another 7.4%. Give us a price on SoFi. SoFi's 13. Okay. Wow. 13, and uh, well, that one didn't go too crazy, 28, so it's only down 50% from its all-time, <laughs> or its 52-week high. That's not bad. Uh, Alibaba down 6%. Amazon down 6%. Saw that. Mm. Amazon is now down $600 a share from where it was in July of 2020. Mm. That's, That's not incredible. that long ago. Well, I mean, it's a uh, it's eighteen months ago in, in Amazon stock time. That's like a hundred years. Eternity, yeah. Huh? Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, six hundred dollars a share, and then PayPal down five point six. That's the thing. It's interesting to kind of watch what's played out in this market because so, Jeremy, you would know this better. Uh, how much of the market's fall is due to just shorts being liquidated and just like short squeezes or sell offs because mm. of 
people hitting their price targets and it just gets liquidated. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely a lot of folks that, that like to put like limit prices on. So if it hits this price, yeah. it just automatically gets sold. Then you get the algorithms going. And this is what we see. If if you have an outsized move to the downside or upside, it just accelerates it so much more. Mm -hmm. So if you have a big update, it accelerates because the algos start going crazy and buy, buy, buy. And then on the opposite thing, I mean, that's, that's incredible looking at some of these moves and the amount of value that was lost today. And the wealth effect, you know, this is something we should touch on because I think this is an important subject. The wealth effect, which I know you guys know that very well, where your stocks are going up, your real estate's going up, your crypto's going up. You feel better about yourself. You're wealthier. You're more likely to go spend money, go do this, go do that. This wealth effect that has been created over the last couple of years, that baby's starting to leave us. If all of a sudden you're, you know, I've lost seven figures in the last three months. Wow. And, you know, I can, I bet you there's a lot of people out there that are like that, that have just seen their portfolios go down immensely. And now I don't feel as rich as I did three months ago. And so I'm much more likely to not spend as much money. I was thinking about going to Taco Bell, get lunch today. And I was like, nah, I'll save that $3. I'll eat, I'll eat home. <laughs> that kind you of know? ties back to the capital velocity thing, right? It makes people more skittish. They don't want to spend money. And so the rate of exchange with how fast we're exchanging our money is slowing down, which can create a recession. So yeah. that kind of plays into it. It's but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. If the market actually does get that bad, I have a feeling Jerome Powell is going to sit there and say, don't worry, guys. Uh, we're not... We're going to raise rates carefully. We're not going to do it too quickly. Don't you worry. I don't think that uh, he would risk crashing the market. Well, that's be why wrong, I'm afraid but... for Kevin. That's why I'm afraid for <laughs> Kevin is because I think so much of his job is being a populist. You kind of have to do what people want you to do. You don't want to be the guy crashing the markets, right? Yeah. So there is a um, non-zero chance that he comes out. When, when's, the last, when's the next time he's coming out to talk about it? Do you guys know? I, I don't know exactly. But let, let me it's let me, yeah, let me he's giving it, yeah. here's the issue though with, with with him he's always looking at backwards indicators so he's always looking at the last quarter and we're showing this high inflation so he's looking at it and he's like wait inflation's really high economy's on fire he's not he's not looking at Google Trends data that auto oh, loans I'm are sure going they, through I'm sure they're looking at oh that no stuff. there's yeah. no way they they they've lagged the entire time they pumped way too much money out there. I call him Mr. Mr. Lag. That's his new name, Mr. Lag. That's Jay Powell, sure, Mr. But, Lag. But I'm sure they are aware of these things. They take that into consideration. He's never going to say in one of his things, well, Google Trends for iPhone is down. So uh, yeah. we're Jeremy, <laughs> I've noticed your AdSense revenue is down. <laughs> <Yeah>. 25%. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we're not going to – of course they're going to say – they're, they're going to point to the things and the pieces of data that, that they know that they could show for sure. I don't think so because the, if they were looking at that, they wouldn't have put themselves in this disaster of a situation where they overpumped, they overstimulated the economy, they overstimulated the real estate market, the stock market, and everything. Uh, if they really looked at forward indicators, they would have realized, hey, we're, we're doing way too much. Look at how much real estate's gone up in the past year. That's not, yeah, that's not normal. Yeah, did you know in the Vegas market this year, we're paying a 45% premium over like the last year or two well, yes no, I don't, maybe maybe ridiculous. two years year over year is 23 percent. yeah but two Vegas. years 45 percent. that's right. nutty that's nah, insane i would say but there is more demand over the last two years because of buyers from around the country moving here so i would say because you i think what? that's oh i was gonna say it's too much though yeah. the, 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 I, well, it's well, too much that's partially true but i think a huge part of that is due to the fact that people are seeing how much prices are skyrocketing yeah. and you get fomo you're like i don't want to get I left mean, behind it yeah. make it to me it makes sense because every area is up 20 percent. so right off the bat you got to take the 20 percent off everywhere is up 20 percent um the the excess demand i would just say is a lot of buyers moving here right i think there's there's some speculation but almost everyone i'm seeing who's buying here is moving here 
combined the, with a lack of building material. The like this is, house next to me is is, is uh, like eight months delayed mm. because they couldn't get the wood in time. Seriously, like, so like yeah. all, everything needed to build that house next door, they couldn't get it. But it's to Andre's point, it's every market it's up massively. Like I looked in Nevada, in Nevada we're like either eighth or ninth in appreciation. Other other markets are up thirty plus percent. Yeah, it's you know? ridiculous. It's, it, that's it's not, not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Used no. car prices. That's not sustainable. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like none of this is sustainable. You know we got problems. The lines at the Louis store when the stimulus checks were pumped out there, that was not sustainable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was just ridiculous. But they so they overstimulated, they overpumped, and now they got an inflation problem, which they lagged on. I was talking about this on Millennial Money when we first started the channel. And I was like, inflation's going crazy. I talked to my dad, he's saying chlorine tabs going way up. I talked to this business owner, da-da-da. And what was the Fed saying at that time? Jay Powell was like, oh, you know, we don't really see uh, in any uh, major inflation. And I'm like, dude, if you actually were in the real world, you would know there's massive inflation. So they lag. They're lagging three to six months on everything, and they're going to likely lag in this situation. So you think that they're going to overcorrect, or do you think they're going to stand back and just wait and be like, hey, let's just see, play it by ear? I don't know. I'm hoping for the best, but I'm a little, I'm a little fearful. I think if the market goes down more, I think that's a good thing because it will make the Fed pay attention. Because with small cap stocks and all that, the Fed's like, oh, that whatever, that's just the market being the market. Oh, TTCF. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. None of that matters. Bitcoin, cryptos, yeah. oh, it's just that silly market over there. When the whole market falls, that's what catches their attention. Like, oh, Mr. Powell, the, the Nasdaq just fell 12% year to date. We're on pace for the worst stock market in the history of the stock market in the month of January. We've never had a January that is likely going to be as bad as this month is unless we magically recover here over sure. the next five, seven trading that's, days. But that's what you don't know. I know a lot of people, smart people, who were selling out in March because the market was going down. And let's be real. I mean, it's just like if it wasn't for Jerome Powell, how worse would things have gotten? Yeah. I mean, he really stepped in and saved the day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for that, I mean... Why, why are you smiling? Uh, just the way you said that, you're like, I know smart people. I, I know, know the smartest people. people. <laughs> so, Everybody. I know the smartest my, people. My best friends, yeah. I have the best words. <laughs> this they needs, all salt. This needs to be said. Look at your guys' shirts. Like, uh, yeah, I, was, I was looking at I've that. Got collar. Looking I've got a collar, though. Yeah, you're fancy. I'm, I'm the fancy one. You're the fancy one. We I'm always just, tend to match. A lot of the times we match. It's very strange. Is that H&M? It is. <sighs> Yeah, we, I think so, we shop in the same place. Yeah, so I have the same thing in black and tan, believe it or not. I don't have a black one. Yeah. I don't have the tan. Same one. thing. I like the green, though. H&M, that's a, that's a well-priced store. It's such good a great prices. price. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Great value. Yeah, yeah I got to go to H&M. I got a $200 gift card, but, so I got to use it. You, you could buy the whole store for $200. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I go to H&M, and max, I might spend 100 bucks. Like, yeah. if I'm trying. So, yeah. like $200, it's like two years worth of clothing. That's true. But, yeah, yeah. okay, so this kind of brings me to the, some of the more speculative assets, like NFTs. So, I, I'm in a group kind of weekly where we talk about, you know, NFTs, and specifically ones that I'm interested in. We have a group. And there's a lot of catalysts that are coming to certain projects that I'm excited about. But... And everyone's so excited. They're like, oh, this is going to be great. And I'm like, hold on, sl slow down, slow down. Because what's more important is the macroeconomic narrative that's going on. And for example, if today the the catalyst for one of the projects I'm invested in, like they're, they're trying to work with Pokemon, right? They're trying to do Pokemon NFTs, which the community has been waiting for years to happen. And they think that's going to send the price to the moon, which it might. Mm -hmm. But and I told them, I was like, look, if that release would have happened this week or, or today specifically, and we had the market like it was today, 
Nobody would have cared. The market would have just shrugged it off I would completely. Have cared. Is this like a Pokemon, like a pack that you could buy, like a no, randomized no, like a digital collectible, like the same one that I have with Spider-Man? Ah, man, I would love a Pokemon pack, by the way, yeah. as an NFT that you could yeah. pay like could even you, you pay like a thousand dollars for it, and you get a randomized I don't know why chance. They haven't done that. Could you imagine the Charizard? Yeah. Dude, yeah. Oh yeah. Or they should do a few. They should do like a you know a Charizard first edition, mm -hmm. you know, and then a Charizard oh, regular. Man. That would probably go. I would say yeah. seven figures. Like imagine, yeah. imagine they release ten thousand packs of Pokemon cards, and you yep. get ten of them with one rare. Yep. And you get that one out of ten thousand chance that you get a one of a kind like Mew or yep. Charizard oh or something. Oh my god! I'm sure it's coming. If they, yeah. yeah, if they do that, I would, I would buy one. I yeah. mean, how, how could you resist? But why would you? It's, it's Beanie Baby speculative stuff. Uh, like, why, why? I would, would you do that. I would buy that. Listen, I would. Why buy it. for no. a Pokemon pack? That's dumb. I would. I don't but know. Graham. I think that'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> you don't do that. Stupid. <laughs> it only is a good investment if I like. It. Listen, I would. Listen. Uh, I wouldn't mind that. if it, yeah. if it were Pokemon, yeah. a pack like that. Yeah. To be fair, fair yeah. yeah. To be fair, you know, Pokemon is known as a collectible, right? Absolutely, like yeah. you know, so that's a little different. No, no disrespect to the Spider-Man or any of these other things, but like. That's not like known as like I collect these type oh, of, of things. Oh, of course it is. Are you kidding me? Brands really? Like Marvel, like Marvel and the big, comic yeah. books. Those are collectibles. Those yeah, what that's they true. Are. It's probably yeah. just smaller markets. But I guess I, guess I don't you know. Between say. an NFT and like a, the first comic book, I would rather the comic book. Between yeah, the but two. that's a personal like generational choice, right? We like Pokemon better, but our parents like comic books. But it's I'm just saying, just, if oh, I had a choice yeah, between a Spider-Man NFT and and a, and a comic book at equivalent value, I would choose the comic book. Versus the Spider-Man NFT, yeah, or the physical uh, comic book you're saying, physical comic book. Yeah, well, the yeah. physical comic book's already established, right? It already has a historic value. I know, but let's it. just say the values are the same today. Like a oh. hundred grand for this, a hundred grand for that. I pick. I I'd say the comic book over the oh. next ten years. I pick the collectible. I think it has a lot more future upside as far as integrating it, utility use cases. So the NFT social, yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah, well, I mm, think that's the NFT market. wrong. But yeah. <laughs> okay, Objective, objectively, objectively, wrong. That, that's incorrect. But okay, <laughs> objectively, it's my opinion. Uh, but speaking of NFTs, though, I did check what the NFTs are worth, and believe it or not, the floor prices didn't drop much. And nice. and the theory behind why I think that's happened is because there's not much liquidity. Yeah. So 100%. the people, the people that have them, like me. You know, if I have a Spider-Man that's worth $100,000, I'm not going to sell it. Yep. Like, why would I? Yeah. And so I'm not going to drop the floor price. I don't care. Mm -hmm. and that's why they're not dropping is because wow. they're illiquid investments. Yeah, the floor 100%. price yeah. now for a yeah. CryptoPunk is down to 165 ask. Yeah, because CryptoPunks, they kind of dropped the ball. They had so many opportunities to integrate cool, like, community aspect to it, and they just didn't do anything. They're like, we don't have a roadmap, guys. We just, like, we just pictures. That's mm. what you're buying. Yeah. And then all these other projects are like, yeah, but we have clubs. We have, you know, games coming out. We have... In metaverse into like I just feel like all of those as soon as the club becomes uncool as soon as people move on to the next club it's going to yep. be too trendy at least yeah. at least at the crypto punks bottom out I could see them being valuable long term yeah. without the community yeah it's hard to talk about like NFTs because I'm with you like I, yeah. I can't generalize it Ooh, we, we all should. Have we should talk briefly. I know this will be a big topic, the Nelk oh. NFT. I oh. know you've probably been following them. I was in the group yeah. to get whitelisted. I got whitelisted wow. on it. And we as should soon as, yeah. as soon as they, so yeah, the Nelk boys, I didn't know who they were. How? I, I still don't know who they are. Do you, do you know who they yes. are? Yes. Who? I've been watching them since like 2012. Who are they? 
What do you mean, who are they? Like, what are they? I know they're well, human beings. This, yeah, like... they started out doing pranks. Okay. Uh, pranks kind of went to the wayside with the whole, like, adpocalypse thing. Okay. They kept doing pranks, but their videos became, like, really highly edited. They were very cinematic. They told the story behind the prank. The pranks started making up less and less and less of the video. Mm. They went through a phase of just, like, their, their I would call it the college phase, where their videos were about basically nonstop partying, drinking, just, like, the college life. Sure. And, that, and that was their appeal. But that's around the time they launched their Full Send brand, mm. and Full Send just went crazy. They've really become like the supreme, mm. and they followed that business model for I think a lot of people under the age of probably like, I'm just guessing twenty five, maybe like that fifteen to twenty five category in school, um, you know, just out of college, that sort of demographic. Okay, but they were doing so well. I think from a business standpoint. They were on point with Full Send, and as far as I'm aware, they were making like fifty. They were doing like fifty million dollars a year in sales on Full Send. Wow, that's great. it was it was they're they're one of the like the top clothing brands out there. I mean, and they would sell out in in sometimes minutes, yeah. like one minute they'll sell out of everything on their store. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm not interested in like every trend I invest in, but I could see where trends are, mm -hmm. and I might want to ride that wave. And so I, as soon as I saw it being hyped, I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, this is going to be worth something. And then as soon as I saw the price to mint one so was anyone unaware minting an nft just means creating it and usually it's you know on their website it's it's some price that they set you got to pay the gas fee plus the mint fee and as soon as i saw what it was which i don't it's, it was around one ethereum it was like half an ethereum it was 0.75 yeah. it's it ridiculous like most of the ones i buy are and like 0.2 yeah and they had ten thousand of them so they, they made sold out in what a, 10 like minutes or 10, something like that no yeah. it was less than a minute i think it uh -huh. sold out in it was $24 million was how much they made from that first yep. NFT drop. And then I also heard, was it like five or 10% of those resold? Yeah. So it's estimated then that they made another $2 million on the reselling. So those are the kind of NFTs that like I don't really chase because I don't know how long they're gonna be relevant for. Mm -hmm. I understand Disney, I understand Marvel and Spider-Man and Pokemon, like those are just legacy brands to me. Yep. And I don't really, they're not dependent yeah. on some temporary brand yeah. pumping them. So I tried to do research on their NFT launch because I thought, oh, you know, maybe I make a video about it. It was way over my head. And then Spencer Cornelia made a video that was way better than I would have ever made. So I was mm. like, I gave up on that idea. As soon as he posted, I'm like, nah, he won. Mm. But uh, I watched his video and I thought it was really good. And it doesn't seem like Nelk's trying to do like a rug pull or anything like that. It seems like they're really just trying to take advantage of the space. They know NFTs are a lot of money in them. Uh, and they know there's some potential in there. So, I mean, if they make 24 million, if people are willingly paying that sure. much money for it. I, I don't know. Look, I think you have to be yeah. cautious in the NFT market. It's it, because it's 2017 all over again with ICOs. And I don't know how long it's going to last and when it's going to collapse. But it's, it, a, it's, it's coming. That's a good uh, comparison. In 2017, we had those ICOs. Yeah. Every single person was like, I'm minting this, or no, I'm minting, creating this new crypto coin. And mm -hmm. Everyone would buy in, it would go to the moon, people would go crazy over it, and then it drops. Yeah, That's the same thing is happening today with NFTs. The exactly. same thing. Exactly. Everyone's like, oh, I want that thing. NFT. Mm -hmm. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, but yeah, yeah, uh, what, yeah, for anyone interested, watch Spencer Cornelia's video and then also 
Nelk's video with Gary Vee. I think mm. they talk about uh, NFTs in that. It'll be interesting to see what they're doing. I can see them creating a bit like a Supreme, mm. but when it's around their brand, I don't know. I don't know if people grow out of that. Right, exactly. You know? Yeah, and I think yeah. NFTs will make a comeback. I think they'll have some co collapse triggered by the bigger economy. And once they become irrelevant, they'll people will forget about them for a year or two until the metaverse starts to become a big thing. And then everyone's gonna be like, oh, remember those NFTs we were mm -hmm. buying? They were like the first of their kind. Like Nelks was one of the first and Vivi's was one of the first. And then that's when people are gonna get back to it. But for now, or it's yeah, like but speculative Let me ask you a question. Right yeah. Let's say Ford comes out and they say, we're gonna make 100 Ford GT and, uh, you know, NFTs. Would you be interested in buying one of those 100? Uh, yes, potentially. Yes, potentially. Mm. If they if they offered them, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if you buy their car, you'll get an NFT from them. Yeah, something like that. that. Too. I would be open to that. I would also be open to buying an NFT from a car manufacturer that allows you to get the cars first or uh, allows you like a front of the line pass. So let's say you buy the Ford NFT. They'll say you could buy our car and you'll get the, you'll be one of the first to get it delivered before everyone else. And you'll be able to buy it at MSRP. Mm. pay this money up front. My theory is that every company in the world in the next few years is going to be releasing NFTs with their accompanying physical products yeah. in one way or another. Well, imagine, yeah. you, I don't know how much it would be to create an NFT. I imagine it's a very low amount of money. Yeah, it's not much. I mean, imagine Ford looks at that and they're like, well, we could sell a hundred of these and they would all sell for dot, dot, dot amount. And they're like, you know, man, this is better than actually the car business. We're going to start oh, selling NFTs. Yeah, yeah, they'll make more money doing NFTs. Well, <laughs> the best way to, and, and they'll realize this one way or another, the best way to release NFTs as far as prices go is to make them accessible for everyone. Where mm -hmm. the real money is made is in the resale market mm -hmm. because what they bake in are these royalty fees every time they're traded. Mm -hmm. If some NFT goes to a million dollars and they make two and a half percent off that, great. Every time that changes hands, they make money. That's where the real money is made. It's not on the release because if they price it at some ridiculous price, very few people are going to yeah. you know, jump on that unless they're like the whales. But yeah. only very few brands could get away with it. Have mm -hmm. you guys seen the Rolex that actually somebody actually showed me a picture of some guy with the I forget which Rolex. I don't know much about that one. Um, it was like the Jubilee band and it had a bored ape on the face of it. So it was aftermarket. It was aftermarket, yeah. but they were giving away the Rolex with that board ape. I think it's silly. Someone just defaced a Rolex and put a board. I don't know. I, I don't get that. That's kind of crazy. I, I don't get oh. it. Yeah. Oh. Anybody, could, you could do that with any watch, though. You could find any dial, get it aftermarket, and have, it, have someone install it. Does it come with the board ape? But you could mm -hmm. get a board ape on it. What do you mean you can get a board ape on it? You, you need could, to own one. You could you could get and custom make aftermarket dials right. for Rolex. But if someone's like, do you actually own that board ape? You can't pull it up and be like, I do. There was a... Uh, I don't know. It's just, it seems a little gimmicky to me. It but is. Like, it is you know, a little bit. But like, hey. Like what? Frank Mueller, they made an interesting... The Bitcoin, Bitcoin one. Yeah. That's and you right. can like... Uh, yep. What is it? Scan it and see how much Bitcoin yep. was on it? It was a wallet. Yeah. yeah. And there was one they, they scanned and I think it had like $24 million or some crazy amount of Bitcoin yeah. on it. I was like, oh my God. Is that, I remember just that. Like, is that gambling? Like buy, buy our watch, you'll scan it and see how much Bitcoin is on there? No, no. You can put your Bitcoin on it. Is how uh, it works. So you buy the watch and then, yeah, you put your, your Bitcoin on it, I guess. It was, it, was a, it was like a public wallet address. You can scan and send someone Bitcoin to that wallet address. Oh, okay. And then people were confused. They're like, well, if I steal the watch, do I have the Bitcoin then? No. Yeah, no. that's what they if were. If you send Bitcoin to that watch, it goes to the owner's wallet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but no, that's a, that's a crazy concept. But 
Um, yeah, so, I mean, wh what do you guys think? Are you buying the dip? That's a big question. Have you guys bought the dip today? We see Bitcoin down to 36. We see stocks sell off extremely hard after this sell-off. What, what do you, did you guys do I anything today? I buy every day. Every day. I buy every day. Every day. I but the dip, what, yeah. you not like extra today with how big the move was down? I try not to do that. I try okay. not to buy extra or less. Every day is usually about the same dollar amount. Okay. So sometimes I'm buying more stocks, but it'll cost me the same thing. Okay. So if I'm buying $3,000 worth, now it gets like a little bit, now I'm getting more for the 3,000 than I was the day before. Okay. Yeah. No, I haven't made any moves either. Okay. I'm just the same same exact pace, but I'm I'm tempted because I remember when Bitcoin dropped to the mid forty five mid forties range, yeah. like forty five, and people were like, "Oh, are you gonna buy the dip?" Because it was at like in the fifties and close to sixty, and yeah. I'm like, "No, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait." Yeah, gonna you know wait. what? I got a good lesson on C three AI, and that and you know I think we all learn these lessons, but uh, it, it kept dipping, and I kept buying the dip, thinking I was gonna get a good deal. Kept dipping, I kept buying the dip, it never recovered. It yeah. only dipped. Yeah. I've never, every time I've invested, it's worth less yeah. every single time. And that was one of the stocks I, I ended up selling out of for mm -hmm. tax loss harvesting. So now I'm never going to chase down stocks. I just set, you know, a but time frame. A and then company though? C3AI, I don't really, you know, what, what is that even? You know, what are they actually doing? What about Amazon? You know what I mean? What about Tattoo Chef? I don't know. I what think about Bitcoin? I think a lot of them, you just don't know where they're going to be going. So I'd rather just kind of set a plan ahead of time and just stick with okay. it. Because here's um, the thing. You know, let's just talk about Bitcoin. You know, people are like, oh, Bitcoin's going to, you know, whatever amount, 100K, 200K, 500K, whatever. And, I, you know, I remember six months ago, it was like, oh, my gosh, if Bitcoin falls to 50K again, which isn't going to happen, I'm going to go crazy in it. And, like, here's that is at 36. And I'm like, you know. Like why yeah. not extra? I think Jeremy. I think there's yeah. <laughs> now is your chance to buy Bitcoin. At <laughs> no, a good price. as soon as Jeremy buys it, it's gonna drop. Yeah, Let's not. I've given exactly. up on this. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling it's you, gonna... man. The chart setup is so. I'm not. I'm not a technical analysis guy, but the the chart setup is insane looking right now. Mm. It's looking like right like 2017, right like right before the crazy takeoff. Mm. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's insane. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, it'll go nuts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I no, would that's fair. Was, but then why not load the boat? Why aren't you loading the boat today then? I have. Well, you said you're buying normal amount. Yeah. Why didn't you put in 100K today? Why didn't you put in 200K today? That's a great question. Same reason why you might not want to leverage and buy as Jeremy's out of money. Jeremy's out of money. I'm out of money, man. I'm already all in. I'm looking at reverse He has a reason, yeah. Or cash out refi. Jeremy wants to sell us houses, refi his house. Yeah. He's, he, you know, yeah, I'm refining. I feel like I see sure. every day, like you're like, I bought a million dollars of the stock. No, unless it's the no. same video. <laughs> I buy it. It's like just the buy, and then he sells it right after. He's like, this year, I just bought a hundred k worth. <laughs> you just get recommended the same video over and over I'm and over. I'm probably seeing YouTube. the same ad. I'm like, he's, how many millions does he he's have? He's doing the same, the same hundred k. Just oh, keep, keep cycling oh, it through. <laughs> so, Graham, you don't yeah. own a single NFT, then? No. Wow. Good talk. <laughs> I'm not even oh, gonna try God. with you. I listen. I would be tempted if we got down to if we got any. I would say if we got within 15 percent of March 2020 lows for a lot of the stocks that I'm invested in still today, I would be very tempted. Okay. Uh, like if Simon Property Group is down again to like 50 bucks, like yes, I, mm. I would. I would really start to buy heavily. Okay. Uh, when I start looking at my cost basis and seeing that like I am back down to where I was investing back then. So yeah, if that happens, hard to ask. That, well, you know, but there wouldn't there there wouldn't be much to get me to the. I don't think I'd ever get to the point where I'm calling up the broker and be like, "Hey, I want to like take margin." 
Yeah, like, well, that's that, a whole other subject. That, yeah, that convicted on it, on anything, even if they did get down to those prices. Okay, because I mean, you think about it. Like, I don't want to speak on like the Simon Property Group or some of those, or C three AI or or anything that's seen as speculative. But just look at Amazon. Let's just stick to Amazon because both you guys know Amazon well. We can we can talk about that one. Amazon down what was it? What I say, six hundred dollars a share since July of twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Now, is Amazon making much more revenue today than they were in July of 2020? I imagine. Yes. Net income, yes. More warehouses, yes. More employees, yes. Uh, AWS, much more relevant than it was at that time, yes. Everything has gone right in terms of the direction of the company, but the share price is down $600 a share. But you know what? Jeff Bezos left. So Yeah, that's true. I'm just saying... That's true. But now, now, just for reference, we were trading at... uh, $1,900 $1,900 in January of 2020 before the yeah. pandemic. We're at 19. Now we're at 2,800. Yeah. I'm curious. I know Amazon got a lot of new customers mm-hmm. and a lot of new prime people. I order on Amazon, I'll be honest, the same amount as I did back then. Okay. I'm not ordering more on Amazon now. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. how many other people are in the same position that they order just as much. You know, and, and if the business is growing on a, on a, you know, a good trajectory up, if we get rid of the last year and a half and we look at the just a line through it, we're probably putting ourselves around 23. Yeah. But also, Jeremy, reasonable to, growth. to Graham's yeah. point, do you think that it's possible that Amazon was significantly overvalued? Because we didn't know much about inflation back then. Yeah. I think you can make that argument, but I think you could always make that argument. Like the first time I ever looked into Amazon was in 2000, probably 10 or 11. And at that time, I thought it was overvalued. And that's, that's when it was uh, probably less than $200 a share. It might have even been less than $100 a share. But I mean, objectively, tech <laughs> so, has taken off since 2011 substantially. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I don't want to say it's speculative, but it's it's really gone up significantly, especially when you look at like Tesla's valuations. Yeah. I, I forget what the forward PE on that was, but I... And yeah, it's, it's like a... It's usually a hundred. Well, yeah, forward PE on, on Tesla right now is probably 120-ish. Right. Roughly. So, um, well, it's stock pulled back pretty hard. Yeah, it's still probably like 100, 120. But, you know, that's one of those stocks. Everybody's looking to the future for that. Same thing with Amazon. And, and a lot of folks don't want those sorts of stocks right now in the market. They're like, ah, I'm good with that. And there's certain stocks that are holding up pretty well. Walgreens, one of those. WBA has been holding up pretty steady. And still the biggest of the bigs, Google, Apple's held up decent. That's the last group of stocks to fall. And then oil and gas. Oil and gas and the biggest of the big dogs are the only thing left. And I will say this. If we start getting real recession fears, uh, you know, oil and gas stocks are coming down next because okay. oil price starts dropping. Paint a picture for me, either one of you. What do you guys think would a recession look like this time around? Because we know it's not, yeah. you know, we know it's not the Rony Rona this time yeah. around. What would one look like? Because again, it's such mixed signals, right? We have mm. high employment, low, low unemployment rate. We yeah. have the highest compensation of all time right now. So what's going to change? What's going to trigger it? I think one is maybe people getting tapped. I think companies potentially getting tapped where if you're a company and you're not really having that revenue come through and you've got an employee force where wages are going up, you end up not being able to hire. You stop hiring. Maybe you even potentially start firing, right? And um, that could be a situation that happens. the good news is the financial system in terms of the big banks are in a much better position than we were the last time we had a major recession, 08, 09. So that's the good news uh, in terms of the real estate market. I think we're much healthier in terms of, you know, we don't have the the 
the, the, the stripper buying six houses right now. That's the only good news, right? Um, but outside of that, we got we got a, a lot to kind of worry about. Um, but the, the question is if the snowball starts rolling and job losses, one job loss can lead to two or three more job losses and those lead to more job losses. So if you get on that bad cycle, the question is where is it bottom? I am a little worried about Jay Powell and I'm a little worried about Biden. And I'm not sure if those guys really can get it together. And when it comes to me, you know, Trump had so much media attention on him all the time. Right. And if every time the stock market fell, the Trump stock market falls, every time the economy went down, the Trump stock market, Biden doesn't have that. And and I think the media needs to put the pressure on him because if they don't, I think he's gonna be asleep at the wheel. And that worries me. If, if Jay Powell's backwards looking, which he's lagged the whole time, and we don't have Biden taking action, who's who's saving the day at that point? Sure, but they so. want the they want it to do well. Otherwise, they're not going to pass that stimulus package. Yeah, and that's the thing. Or yeah. they pivot and they say, "Well, the stimulus package would help stimulate all of these stocks." Now we're injecting more money into the economy. It's going to make it do even better. Yeah, that's that's another thing too. Could go either way. It so, could. So I don't know the recession thing. I'm not I'm not seeing it because mm. rece recession just seems like you know that's when people have too much debt, which is not the case, or when there's high unemployment. Mm -hmm. which is not the case. I think it's just low demand. Now, yeah. Now, if, demand. if it yeah. leads to that, I feel like the more likely scenario rather than a recession would be more like stagflation where it's high unemployment, but it's also high inflation. Mm. So it's that would be the scariest situation in my opinion. Yeah, that would Could be. Could you imagine all prices just going up across the roof and then just people aren't working. They're either scared or mm -hmm. companies pull back because that, and it is not an indicator, but like, we said all of our AdSense revenue is down. Mm -hmm. Companies are advertising less. Maybe they know something we don't, and maybe that's coming. But I don't know. Yeah, the the natural thing is the you know prices drop because as a business you got to stay competitive with the market. And if Walmart doesn't, uh, or if if Target drops price and Walmart doesn't react to that, or Amazon, then they get beat. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think we have enough competition, especially in the United States specifically, where you have to make, you have to compete. And if, if a company drops price, you have to you have to meet them there and you have to drop price. And with the auto market, I think that's a big market that I'm really worried about. We know used autos have been unsustainable and we could end up in a situation very quickly where next thing you know, these automakers are slashing prices because you, know, you have to, if used uh, auto prices start falling over the next, let's say six months, then you have to start slashing new auto prices and you gotta move, you gotta move inventory. And if you're a dealership, you got to move inventory. And then if the salesman needs his money, right? He needs to make his commission. Yeah, but that's assuming that they had a high inventory in the first place, which is not the case. Yeah. They don't have high inventory. They, they're very low inventory. What I'm worried is it's going to build up though over right. the next six months. So I'm kind of like looking at it forward. And like I said, you know, auto loan, five year low right now uh, in terms of Google Trends. And that specifically fell through the floor in the last two months. Mm. So... That's one of those indicators I'm looking at and I'm thinking forward and I'm like, man, who's to say inventory can't build up? Auto, used auto starts doing what it should do, which prices go down. And then all of a sudden you end up in this kind of super cycle of slashing prices, used autos slashing prices, new autos slashing prices. And maybe you don't really have that demand. And even if you're slashing your price, you don't really have the demand there to pick it up. So I don't know what, what you guys think about that. I'm usually, I'm usually spending a lot of my time trying to forecast and look at like the crystal ball and be like, where are things going over the next six months? Yeah, it's nice to be able to make sense of it all. But I think regardless of even, even if I knew, 
I mean, I'd have to be like 99% sure to dictate mm -hmm. my actual investing strategy. Yeah. But in the meantime, I just, I don't care. Like I'm still investing consistently. I, yeah. it, nothing will change for me. I'm not going to pull money out like Kevin did. I mean, I know Kevin's more that of a That was pretty trader. extreme. I didn't. That's, I didn't see that coming. pretty intense if he really did that. Mm -hmm. You know what I think it is? He had so much money invested right. and I've seen his account and it, it like, cause I, cause I look at that as like inspiration. Like I see his account, I'm like, it's like mind blowing. I'm like, wow. It's, Although, it's well, how much nuts. is it, or how much do you think it was today that he sold out of? Well, I mean, he's he's made videos on how much he has, like over thirty million dollars in stocks. Wow. Do you think he had that today? Because obviously, I'm assuming his count balance has fallen dramatically. I don't know. The last few no, weeks. because no, because he's taken out so many different positions. It's hard to say because I know he's he's short on some positions. He's long on others. It might be the same, give or take. But either way, I think having thirty million dollars in the market like that, why does Kevin need to take that risk? Like I, I would see that as him just being like, why? Why, why I, does he need to be invested? I, if in I his, if I get, I can't speak for yeah. Kevin, but the closest thing to me is is exactly what he said. Where it's no matter what happens right now until March when the mm -hmm. Fed comes out to announce what they're going to do to interest rates, it's just nothing but bad news. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, if, if tech comes out and says that they're they're making a lot of money, then guess what? That just gives more ammo for Jay Powell to be like, all right, cool, yeah, we're yeah. definitely increasing rates. So mm -hmm. guess what? The market's going to tank. And if it comes out and it's like, oh, guys, we're not making any money, market tanks. Yeah. So <laughs> it almost doesn't matter. I agree At least with in the first that. In, in these know. next few months, it, it's there's no scenario in which it will go up. Yeah. Unless well, unless Jerome Powell comes out and he's like, all right, guys, I'm just just kidding. I'm going to back but up. You don't. Like, yeah. But this is always like the little factor that you don't know right, what's going to happen. Right. And anything could, you know, things could start going up. But and maybe people are if like, you're playing with 30 million dollars, like what are the odds? Like if I know I have a 90 percent chance of being right. Maybe I should just move $30 million. I don't know if he's got a 90% chance of being right, though. I don't know. I just see it as he has $30 million. He doesn't need to take the risk. He doesn't have high expenses. So why keep his money in the market like this? Take it all out. And if it were me, I'd just diversify and play it really safe. He, yeah. he's, he's got it made. No, just that's true. Play it safe. I agree there. That, that, that's, that's all I would subject. do. Yeah. If I had $30 million, I would not be as aggressive as Kevin. Mm. Yeah. He's extremely aggressive. I know. At considering how high his net worth I is. I know. I would just play it safe at that point. Like, right. yeah, I, I, w I don't even need to win anything. Just like, just keep that value consistent. Exactly. That's all I need. Give me 3% a year, 4% a year. I'd be so happy. Just give me the, give me inflation plus two. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's all true. I need. That's a good point. Uh, he's a risk taker. He's gonna he's gonna be the first to reach a hundred mil and, and probably be a billionaire. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, well, the challenge is on. It's too yeah. bad we weren't able to reach him for this. No, no, no. But yeah. yeah. It, but do you guys agree with trying to time the market? That's no, the big question. I don't. No. No. Okay. No. Never. No. Uh, you no, know no. what? But here's the thing. I bet Kevin Kevin has a chance at being right, mm -hmm. and he has a chance at buying back in at the bottom. But yeah. I think when you look at if if he could replicate that many 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 times, probably not. But yeah, I, I, th I think it's such a tough game to play. You know, I I could look at it today and and be like, okay, Tattoo Chef's at twelve, Honest is at five. Okay, I'm gonna sell out because Tattoo Chef could fall to nine or seven, or Honest could fall to four or three, and then buy back in. That's such a tough game yeah, to yeah, play. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's such yeah. a tough I, game I think to he play. will 100% be right on the exit. I think this time he'll be right because there are no positive catalysts that, that I can see even coming potentially. Mm -hmm. Like I said, unless Jay Powell's like, just kidding, which I don't think he's going to do. Um, but then buying back is where I think it's going to become problematic. Yeah. Because how will he find, yeah. how will he figure and, that out? Because you can get false rallies. And not exactly. only that, but like 
thirty million? Like, how yeah. do you allocate that back in into the market? Right. Do you dump it all at once? Probably not. Right. Probably trickle it in over a long period of time. But then, how long are you waiting to do that? Nah, it's Kevin. He he's a lump sum a lump, yeah. sum, <laughs> a lump sum investor. Yeah. So, Jeremy, what is your plan if things just keep falling? Let's say Tattooed Chef does go down to seven dollars, mm-hmm. six dollars. Honest, just keeps going down. Do you, do you have a plan in mind? Or? Just keep buying. Really, just keep buying, baby. Yeah, that that's a, you know if you look back at every correction or crash we ever had. You know, everybody likes to pull up, well, this was the high, this was the low, so you you had to wait a year or six months or two years or whatever, right? At the end of the day, as long as you kept buying companies that had great futures, right? That's the key. Is they got to have a bright future in front of themselves. As long as you kept buying as it was going down and as it was coming up, you made out like a bandit. You know, any, any stock you respect in the market, I don't care if it's Apple, Amazon, anybody, smaller companies, Monster Beverage or whatever, right? All of them, when they dip, it's nothing but a huge buying opportunity every single time. And so unless you think the stock market's going to be low for the next 20 years and it's just going to downtrend for 10 years, which is not going to happen, um, you're in a situation where it's just this huge buying opportunity. Uh, yeah. So, but what, what happens if things drop, let's say, over another year or two and then keep they buying? stay low for another like three years? That just gives me more time to buy, right? That's just a that's just a bigger opportunity to load up on more and more shares. And the thing is, what's going on in the market right now is these stocks are getting unsustainably low. The price to sales ratio, some of these stocks are starting to hit where these companies' net incomes are going over the next three, five years is getting ridiculous. Honest is disgusting right here at five. Um, Tattoo Chef is disgusting at 12. Like the valuations don't even make sense. We're in, we're in as irrational of a market right now, in my opinion, as we were at this time last year. But last year it was it was like the upside, right? And it was like, this is the next stock to pump. And then like, it was like 2% down, buy it, buy it, buy it. You know, load up on the stocks. And I don't know how much you guys were in the stock community at that time, but I remember the activity. And it was like, if a stock went down 2%, it was like, you got to load up on this. It's going to the moon. And it was unsustainable. And the valuations these stocks got to was completely unsustainable. And that that frenzy buying activity, it was like, there was, there was such little upside potential. So for so. people watching at home, um, would you recommend people to focus more in the tech sector or more so on value stocks? Yeah. So when you're going into a crash, uh, so first off, we got to take a step back and where have we been, right? The first stocks that started falling in this crash were the super speculative companies, meaning like pre-revenue companies, like those hopes and dreams companies. I don't know if I don't want to put that C3 AI in there, but you know, those sorts of companies that were the, you know, the hype stocks of this time last year, those were the first to fall. The next group that fell was high growth, or excuse me, low growth, uh, non-profitable companies. The next group that started to fall after that was high growth, non-profitable companies. Think Honest, think Tattoo Chef and some of those stocks. The next group that started falling is growth, um, higher PE names. So think PayPal, think Square. The next group that started falling after that was um, just uh, growth in general. And now it's almost everything except for a few of the top companies, right? So now, as we come out of this, whenever that is, when things, when the, the sun does start shining, the first group that starts to blow up is the, a lot of those. Yes. Small caps. Yes, exactly. Small caps start going up first. The, the scene is riskier plays start going up the fastest. And people will look at that and they're like, wow, why did that stock just go up a ton? Like we're in, we're in trouble right now. That doesn't make sense. It's going to come back down. And then it doesn't come back down and things get better and better and better. So 
where the most opportunity is without question is small caps um, because those will be the ones that bounce back the fastest. But it's it, you got to be selective. It's the ones that have the best futures. They've got to really have the true futures. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I, I, tech is it's, um, it's very enticing just because it's it's fallen so hard. But man, when it comes back, small yeah. caps are going to... Yeah, and you know, I got in the market 2008, 2009, right? And the, the stocks I was investing in back then were like Conagra Foods, Walmart, GoPro, Walgreens. No, oh, yeah, they, they weren't around. Wow. I wish they would. That might have made some a lot of money. <laughs> you know, imagine even in 2009. But anyways, uh, Walmart, uh, Conagra Foods, those sorts of companies, which is what you're told to invest in because you're in a recession, right? Needs-based companies. What I should have been buying was more growth names because those stocks were so beaten down and many of those stocks ended up 2X and 3X and 4Xing over the next one to two years. While what did Conagra Foods do? What did Walmart stock do? What did Walgreens stock do during that time? Not very much. Mm. So I think that's where people get a little confused, but um, you know, they're the first to fall and they're the first to come back the strongest. Mm. But Bitcoin, I don't know guys, what oh, do you think Graham, here? You got in yeah. at $30,000 for Bitcoin. Yeah which is kind of interesting because you almost have the opportunity to get in as low as Graham did, Jeremy. Oh, yeah. Well, it's more like, Andre, why aren't you loading the boat right now? Yeah. Did you ever address that or did we skip over that I feel part? like I have a big enough boat, though. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Like Andre's should... already got a yacht. Okay. He doesn't need a, <laughs> he doesn't need a little boat. You've got a huge bag. Okay. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. a little bag. What, what about Andre's a... getting tired from carrying the bag. What That's about, what yeah. Thing. Okay. What about Ethereum? Because Ethereum fell super hard, even yeah. worse than, than Bitcoin. I've been buying both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you're not, you're not going out of the way to really hugely buy the dip. No, no, because I don't know if the dip keeps dipping. And it's just okay. like, I just don't want that mental stress of okay. just not having enough cash and not if so, a better opportunity comes in. And I'm not even talking about from you know investing in, in stocks. And mm -hmm. what if it's real estate? What if it's a house that I find that I, I maybe a rental property, maybe something else? Okay. It's nice to have some buffer for some emergency. That's interesting. Yeah, I know I can understand that. That's a little different strategy than, than I have because the number one feeling I hate is if I see an asset at like a ridiculous price that I feel like this is a joke and I don't buy enough of it. It eats me alive to then see it go to this price and True. be like. True, but I, I think we've been saying that like when you talked about Corsair gaming, yep. you, you said you had the exact same sentiment back then when mm -hmm. I bought and I'm down like over 30% on it. Yeah. So I'm just saying it's, it's impossible to know like what really is a dumb valuation. Like yeah. it might seem dumb to you to have $12 TTCF, but mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe it goes down to 10. Yep. Like, when do you know? I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to time that. So No, 100% the bottom. But um, th at the end of the day, I don't want to be in a situation where I'm like, remember when Honest was at 5 or TDCF was at 12? And I sat on my hands and I just kept my money in cash. And then every all my future plays out and Honest is $30. Mm. And Tattoo Chef is $50. And everything plays out over the coming years as I think it's going to play out. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I think it's more to do with like a personal decision, right? Like if mm -hmm. you feel happy living your life, you know, having let's say five grand in the bank, but that's enough to pay your bills. That's cool. Yeah. And some people just need maybe a little bit more of a buffer. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a personal preference. Uh, I think at that point. Yeah, I think so. I, I think I might be, maybe my view on money is a little different than maybe your guys is. for me. It's, it's so much about like winning and losing. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like if, if I see something that's such a great price and I'm not investing heavily in it, especially if it goes down even more, I feel like I lose. Like I, I don't feel good about myself. I'm like, I could have bought that and I didn't buy that at that really? price. That's yeah. so fascinating. Because mm -hmm. I get those comments all the time. People are like, don't you feel stupid not investing in Tesla or whatever? Mm -hmm. And I say to myself, no, I don't. Like, I don't have to 
pick every winner. There, there yeah. are so many winners to be to be made. Like there's so much money to be made. Yeah. So many opportunities. I don't need to hit all of them. Mm -hmm. It just takes one or two or like it, it's yeah. You don't have to pick all of them. So I don't I don't feel like I'm losing money. Yeah. I just feel like there's uh, there's an op another opportunity around the corner. Yeah. Well, and, and we talked about this before. One night we were gonna play poker or something. You were like. Dude, I, I hate it if I lose like a hundred bucks or yeah. twenty bucks. Whereas me, I'm like, I would rather lose and play than not play at all. That's so I so think it's crazy. just different yeah, that's mentality. So interesting. My fear of or like my disdain for losing is greater than my want of winning. Mm -hmm. And it's like when I lose twenty dollars, I'm like, that's groceries <laughs> well, that's right people. there. Most people are more afraid of losing. Yeah, yeah. and I, I just I, I don't like the way that feels. And yeah. then I don't have fun. Like like I genuinely can't have fun if I'm like losing. Most people are like, oh, I'm having fun. I'm like, man, I'm losing. This yeah. is not fun, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Oh, I have a friend, yeah, he, he says the same thing. He's like, I would rather uh, not win $2,000 than lose $20. Right. Because I'm not gonna feel that much better about myself if I win the 2,000, exactly. but if I lose that $20, I'm gonna be thinking about it for the next but, three but that, days. But then that becomes so much more true the more wealth you accumulate mm. because you naturally become more defensive. Unless you're Kevin, but yeah. that's a different story. Yeah. But typically, I mean, I know Graham's the same. Like you, you want to protect your wealth, the wealthier mm. you get mm. rather than take more risk. I've always played it safe though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, me too. Yeah. Generally. Yeah. Yeah. Other than Bitcoin. I don't know why my, my risk aversion is not that bad for Bitcoin. If mm. I had to guess, it's because I've been through it since 2014. Yeah. It's like the same. It's incredible. It's the same narrative again and again of people making the same arguments like Peter Schiff, you know, the gold bugs, like did Bitcoin stupid, it, it, no, you know, value, like what's the inherent value, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's the same arguments over and over again. It's the same market moves. It's, it's like, I don't know, it's boring. Yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> no, I can understand that. I did, I did sell some Tesla stock today and oh, repositioned. Did. Yeah, I repositioned that money, uh, not to cash, but to some other stocks. How are you so, offsetting the gains? Uh, what do you mean? Offsetting the gains. Like, are you selling off some losers? Oh, yeah, he's plenty of losers. No, yeah, I, but the problem is, I <laughs> buy the losers. That's, that's not the problem, Mark. Yeah, yeah, problem no, no, I got plenty wins. of those. The problem <laughs> for me, for me, I buy the losers and I sell the winners. That's okay. why I sell some some Tesla and I'm like, oh, uh, tattoo chef. <laughs> I need tattoo chef. I need really? honest. Yep, yep. Wow. So, but in, in how, okay, in, what price does tattoo chef or, or a stock you love have to go down to before you consider selling your plaid? Oh my gosh, the plaid! I would sell, sell the plaid. it. You would sell if the plaid. you, if Graham gave me a fair price, you gave me a fair price. What's a fair price? Uh, whatever is the fair price, it's oh, trading. Man. I would sell it tomorrow. Well, I would offer right now seventy. No, like, hands down. Well, then you know, I mean, that's, that's the price, though. That's the price. <laughs> no, so. that's that's equivalent of honest shares. Okay, so no, but uh, <laughs> oh gosh, you know that, that's what I like to do. I, sometimes repositioning. Um, as far as me, I am really worried about the auto sector. That, that's the sector I'm really worried about. When I see the data coming out and I think about how much of a bubble we're in, used car prices should not be going up. A Toyota Corolla shouldn't go up in price, right? Um, no, it makes sense why it is though. I don't think under any circumstance it makes sense. No, no, <laughs> you're right. No, the price doesn't make sense. It's okay. ridiculous. I'm just saying the mechanics behind why it's going up makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. And so, I don't know, that, that's kind of what I look at, um, you know. But anyways, I, I continue to buy the dip, regardless if I'm scared about a recession, not scared about a recession. I buy the dip, um, and if it keeps dipping, I keep buying. And if it keeps dipping, I keep buying. And that's just my my name of the game. And I'm always going to try to invest as heavily as possible as things dip more and more. Well, there you go. So, if I dip, you dip, we dip. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. 
and I'll hold and I'll hold and then we'll make a lot of money someday. So buy the dip, buy the dip. Total. <laughs> All right. I think uh, I think we covered enough. it. Cool. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for watching. Let us know what you think of this sort of format down below in the comment section. I want to see what you think of a pre-recorded thing. We're, we're filming this basically the night before. We're going to post this in the morning. Let us know what you think. If you like this, um, of course, we wanted Kevin to come on. We, we can't reach Kevin. So anyway, let us know what you think of this. Make sure to subscribe. Hit the like button. We have the Clips channel also in the uh, description. So make sure to follow and that. And show Alex some love because Alex oh, is filming this Alex video. So show, video. show him some love in the comments section. Tell him, thank you, Alex, for filming this and doing all that work. Yeah. So Alex, we appreciate smash it. the like button, subscribe. Do it, for, do it for Alex. How's do it that? for Alex. Do it for Alex, yeah. please. Thank you, Alex. Thank yes. you. All right, until next time. Guys. Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.